It is the Brad and John Show. We're on Egbert, E-G-G-B-U-R-T. You can check it out at egbertonair.com. Uh, the, the website is not totally done. Egbert's got me working on it, and I have uh, have to admit that I have not got it completed. Uh, we're turning this into a talk station. John and I are going to be doing an hour. Maybe, I don't know what we're going to be doing between 6 and 7. Haven't figured it out yet. Uh, but at 8 o'clock in just a few minutes, we have Armstrong and Getty. Stay tuned for them. They are very good. Unfortunately, they're on best of this week. And you know what, John, that's one of the things that always drives me nuts when the radio business. Oh, yeah? Everybody takes off pretty much this entire week. And then once you get between Christmas and New Year's, there's no regular people on the radio anymore. It's just, I'm just Joe Smith sitting in for. Cause they're all, all filling in. Yep. And, and yep. You, know, you know what the reason for that is? You know why? The, why is that? Because out of 52 weeks, that's the only week that the rating service does not rate. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yes, they don't rate from, I think they usually stop rating like on, on December, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Eve, and then they, they, they don't resume ratings till the day after uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, New Year's Day because of the fact that the idea being is that those ratings would be skewed because people were not in their home cities. They're not listening to their home radio station. They may not be listening at all because they're with family and friends. They're across the country, across the world, could be anyway. So that's why all the big guns, like back in the day, the Rush Limbaugh, now the uh, the Hannity's and and all the other you know big guys, uh, Buck Clay and Buck, they're never on. They usually take off like they say. Well, it's it's the twenty second of of December, and I'll be back on January third. And you know right. already right. it's got most of the big national talk show guys. Like I said, in our station, uh, we've got um, Eric Erickson still live, and I believe Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins are still live. But uh, but as of as of uh, Friday, that was their last live show for uh, Armstrong and Getty, and they won't be back till Monday. Okay. Well, we will not be here tomorrow, but we will be here on Friday. Well, I got to talk to you about that because we may not, because I have a an existing interview that I think I have to do on Westplex, and I think I have to do that like at 7.30. So I, I'll, gotcha. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll know more to today as far as that goes. Okay. I've talked about the fact turkey person. Now, you before I go into the turkey person explanation, you tell me what you've got as far as the statistics that you have. Let me try that again. Statistics. Let's try that. Okay. What's the turkey thing? In the great state of Missouri, the Department of Conservation uses a brand new uh, counting system based on reporting and based on hunter self-reporting their, uh, their captures, their harvest. Brad, which county in the great state of Missouri for all the fall seasons – in, in which county have hunters shot the most turkey? Franklin. That's a great guess. Franklin County is number five. Really? I'll give you a hint. Many people in our listening area drive to this county to go floating. Oh, it's got to be one of the uh, ones down along uh, the Hoosa or the, or the Merrimack. It is. What, oh, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it Washington County? That Washington is number two. The other county that people enjoy floating is number one. I'm, I'm not sure which county that is. What county would that it's be? It's Crawford County. Crawford County. That's right. Crawford County. So yes. where, where you have Steelville and Cuba. Right, right. Now, interestingly, one more question for you, Brad. Deer season just wrapped up, except for in a few counties, there's a special uh, chronic wasting disorder hunting season right. that was extended by the state. Which county in the state of Missouri had the most deer harvested? I'm going to go back with Franklin County again. You are absolutely right. Yeah, there's well. First off, there's a lot of hunters. Then there's a trust me. I don't know if you look at my Facebook page, but one of our old station vehicles, 
I think in that vehicle alone, I think I hit 19 deer. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, to the point where the front, the front end of that truck's been rebuilt two or three times because of all the deer I hit. Matter of fact, I ended up in the hospital over one of the deer, but that's a whole other story. Okay. Wow. Turkey person. So I hear this. I hear these ads on other radio stations, not on other stations, but I hear these ads, and it's hey, go to turkeyperson.com. Okay. So I never went, and I should have gone, but I never went. But yesterday, I'm listening to another radio station, and they are interviewing the guy who's behind Turkey Person. And the guy's name is Bill Courtney. He's a coach, a football coach. And here's the Turkey Person story. He talked about how he coached high school football teams. And somehow or another, he ended up teaching or, or coaching a inner city high school. And he's a white dude, and most of the kids on the team were black. And he somehow felt that he could not really get their trust, that they didn't really, really think that that he was the kind of guy they really wanted to put all their efforts behind. And he sort of had, I'm sort of paraphrasing his conversation yesterday, he sort of had a heart-to-heart conversation with one of his players, essentially saying, look, you know, you're influential on the team. I get the the... the the, the impression that a lot of the guys on the team don't really trust me. Why is that? And the kid says, you're a turkey person. And the coach goes, I'm a turkey person. What is that? And he says, well, he says, you'd have to live in the, in the area we live in. He says, the white folks on Thanksgiving come down and they bring us food and they bring us turkey, but that's the only time we ever see them. Wow, and, that's a great point. And we only see them on Thanksgiving. They show up. And she said, do we take the stuff? Yeah, we take the stuff. We take the turkey. It's all good. You know, but yet we don't trust them because the other 364 days out of the year, they're not around. So, wow, yeah. And, and, and I, it hit me. I thought to myself, that's interesting. And he says, he says, this is what's interesting. He talks about this and he says that you have to, in order to really gain someone's trust, you can't just intermittently, or in this case, once a year, drop into their life. And he goes into this explanation about, was it they were helping the people? Was that their motivation? Or making themselves feel good because they helped out? Now, of course, right. That's right. a heavy question. Because through my, through my years in the radio business, I've been involved with many, 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 many charities. And up until recently, I was not bragging or anything, but I was the chairperson for the St. Charles County Tree of Lights campaign, which is going on right now, you know, with the uh, Salvation Army, you know, the bell ringers and stuff like that. And there's a whole reason why behind the Salvation Army because of my father in World War II and the whole bit. But I really felt good about the Salvation Army people because of the fact that I saw what they did. And perfect example, back in World War II, they helped out my father. And my father used to always tell me, as a matter of fact, I'd get in trouble if I said this officially. It's the Red Cross story, right? It's, it's the, the reason Red why, Cross he, why you don't support the Red yes. Cross. My dad used to always say to me, don't ever give any money to the Red Cross. If you're going to give money, give it to the Salvation Army. And the reason for that was when he was in World War II, he would tell the story that when they were out wherever, he says sometimes, you know, my dad was like all over the place, three bronze stars, a whole bit. Um, sometimes the Salvation Army was right behind the front lines. You know, they were like in the heat yep. of things. And a lot of times the, the American Red Cross was there too. He said the Salvation Army guys, 
never ask for anything. If you asked him, and he would say this to me, he says, if, if, if I would ask those Salvation Army guy, hey, my boots are worn out, can I have your boots? The guy would have been down on the ground unlacing his boots, giving the boots to my dad. They, he said that was the kind of people they were. The American Red Cross people wanted money. You want a cup of coffee? That's 10 cents. <laughs> you know, yep, that kind of yep. thing. So the idea being is that when you're in a charity, are you doing it to feel good about yourself? Are you really doing it to help the people that the charity's organized around? Yeah. And, and I mean, you could take that. It, it, let's put the, you know, local corporations under a microscope. How many, how many companies have their volunteer day where they go to Operation Food Bank for three hours and then cut out and go to lunch and say, look at all we do for the poors in the St. Louis community? Like, and what is now, now that's not to denigrate three hours of service from 50 people. That's 150 hours. Right. But, um, you know, again, that, that, those are great examples of Turkey people. Right. Well, and, and, and what's interesting was he, he goes in this whole thing and I think he's selling a book and he's got, a, if you go to the website, there's a podcast. The whole day. Yep. He's a very dynamic speaker, but I, I do understand what he's saying that, that, you know, one of the things that, that I try to look at is if you see people that are trying to help other people, are they genuine or disingenuous? You know, and, yep. and I, that's a terrible thing to say when you, when you, because if someone, let's say someone has the life and they have a nice car and they're living in a nice house and the whole bit, and, you know, they do something for somebody, you know, I mean, are they doing it to make their self like, I mean, will they brag, like, let's say they're driving down the street and like it's a couple of the intersections, there's one out in St. Charles, 94 and 70, where there's always the, the, you know, the guys out there working the sign are yep. at 170 in page. And there was a guy that it always got arrested down in South County. If you remember that, that was in the post-dispatch, all the story, that guy, the guy down on, I think he was on Lindbergh someplace, a test on ferry or something like that. He got arrested several times. If you give him a five or a 10, are you doing that to help him? Are you doing that to make yourself feel good? Right. You know, what, what changed my opinion on all this, Brad, and you and I are both noted critics of the higher education system. Right. But I had a, uh, I had a great economics professor at, at, in college who told us one time, one of his central theories was the selfishness of Mother Teresa. And it changed my, my view of, of philanthropy because if Mother Teresa believes that by, by every time she does a good deed, she earns a little bit more of a reward in heaven, how, how, uh, how selfish is she every time she gives a blanket to a kid in need or, visited, or visits an African town? So if you look at the fact that she feels really good every time she does an act of philanthropy, is she some patron saint? Or is she actually being pretty selfish? Well, so, yeah, I mean, the cynic's view of that is, well, of course she is doing a good deed, and she is, but there's something in it for her. There, the current controversy is Mr. Beast. Do you know about this? Yeah, uh, and and some most of our listeners probably know, but you should probably explain who he is. Well, Mr. Beast is this internet phenomenon who makes a ton of money, and he's an interesting guy. He's like 23, 24, young guy. He's making literally millions of money some i mean like sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars a day on yep. his money from from youtube and what he does is most of the stuff he does he's giving money away but now he's gone down into i think in africa where he's, he's, he's in africa yeah he's, i've watched the video my my kids are big fans he's he's drilling water wells 
mm-hmm. he hires these dr- well drilling companies to come in and drill water wells because these people have never had fresh water. They've had it out of the streams and stuff like that, and it's not necessarily the best water. Now he's getting pushback from people. Matter of fact, he's getting pushback from some of the Africans saying... From the government. So right. He's getting pushback from government officials. Right, because you're a white guy... And you're making the black people in Africa feel bad because they can't help themselves. And I'm going like, hold on a minute. Right. <laughs> you know, and, like- and also, I mean, you know, it, it, it does have the visual of let's have a white guy fix problems in a, in a black that's, area. That's the, So, you know, pe- people get very sensitive about that. That's but the if pushback. I'm a government official, I wonder how Mr. Beast can use private money to do something that we that we refuse to do with government subsidies. Well, the perfect example would be like let's say let's say Elon Musk decides he wants to build a Tesla plant here in St. Louis, yep. and he he hears about the crime problem in St. Louis, so he says, you know what, uh, police department is uh, short 500 police officers. I'm going to hire. 500 police officers, I'm going to form my own police force, and we're going to just go and clean up things. People go, no, you can't do that. Absolutely. Right? Yep. That, there would be yeah, outrage because right. also it underscores the failure of local government. Right, right. They would make they would make the, the people look even worse because yeah. here's this guy coming from, you know, my mom used to always say, <laughs> she was a very cynical person. She would always say, you know what the definition of an expert is? And I would always say, no, mom. She says, someone from out of town with a briefcase. <laughs> Gosh, that's good. That's really good. Okay, we have to put it to bed. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be here or not on Monday or on Friday. I'll tell you more about that. Uh, you and I talk off air. Uh, John Combest, you can check him out at johncombest.com. His book is? Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. Just go to Amazon, look up my name, or look up Online Harassment. Yes, and it's C-O-M-B-E-S-T, common spelling, J-O-H-N-C-O-M-B-E-S-T, johncombest.com. John, have a good Thanksgiving. You too. At 8 o'clock.